0: There's something about a mystery that's almost addictive, knowing only bits and pieces of information about, say, a neighbor or a a newcomer that automatically starts off with curiosity. And as you get more and more little snippets of information or see them around under not nefarious conditions, but still strange conditions, makes them even more of a, well, mystery then when you don't know all the information, it's easy for your brain to start to fill in the gaps with wild speculation. Well, today's episode might fall into that realm. Hello again and welcome to Haphazard History of the Caribou Chilcotin Podcast. I'm Jason Ryle. Once again, a huge thank you out to the Williams Lake Tribune for the opportunity to bring the stories written by Barry Sale to life in this medium. Today, we're going to dive into the mystery... Of the Mad Russian Island. Welcome to Haphazard History, stories of the pioneers, people, and places of the Caribou Chilcotin region of BC. Now, here's Jason Ryle. About a quarter mile south of Rudy's Bridge, right in the middle of the Fraser River, there lies a small island with a steep, rocky shoreline on three sides and a gradual, rocky beach in its lee. It's accessible in winter and sometimes when the river is really low, but most of the time it's surrounded by fast-flowing water. Actually, it is quite an unremarkable island, not unlike many others up and down the river, but this little piece of land is known by the locals as the Mad Russian's Island, and therein lies a story. Around 1956, a man appeared in the Soda Creek area and began gold panning on the sand and gravel bars there. He built a small shack in the bush and lived there on his own. Rumors, of course, began to circulate. The most common one being that he was a Russian immigrant with a past who wanted little, if anything, to do with society. Another one was that he had been a spy for the West. Remember, it was the height of the Cold War, and he was in hiding from the Russian KGB. Whatever his story was, he didn't share it with anyone. He was content to do some small-scale plaster mining, to live in a hermit-like existence, and to trade the gold he found for the necessities of life. Then, in 1958, he built a raft, loaded up his partly dismantled shack and all his belongings on it, and floated downriver to the unnamed island just below the Buckskin Ranch. His first order of business was to build a tripod device with a boom and block and tackle to lift the load off the raft and put it on the island. For several years, this was the method by which he offloaded larger pieces of equipment. He lived in the rough shack for a couple of years while he logged the island and set up a homestead on the south end. He brought in a head saw and powered it with a Volkswagen engine. And with this mill, he cut lumber for a house and... His outbuildings. One whole wall of his house was a fireplace chimney complex of mortared river rock. The house consisted of one larger room with a sod floor. He also brought in an old wood cook stove, which was used for both cooking and heating. For several years, he continued to improve his island homestead, building furniture, cutting firewood, digging and planting a garden, building an outhouse, and adding a root cellar. All the while, He panned and sluiced for gold on the banks of the river and the gravel bars nearby. He began to work on a shaft. Some say that, like Billy Barker, he was looking for a gold vein deeper down near bedrock, while others speculate he was working on an access tunnel which would run under the river. Even though he had very little to do with the local residents— occasionally he would find it necessary to borrow a tool or implement from Rudy Johnson at the Buckskin Ranch. Rudy says that the man never really talked much and wouldn't stay for a visit. He just borrowed the tool and left, but he always returned the item, all cleaned up and polished in like-new condition. Even though he kept very much to himself, he couldn't avoid going into Williams Lake two or three times each year for necessary supplies. He had a wooden rowboat, which he had built himself, later equipped with a 10-horsepower motor, for crossing the river. Hidden in the bush near the riverbank, he kept a bicycle with a big carrier rack on it. He would use the bike to ride back and forth to town, where he would trade his gold for the items he needed. Sometime in the early 1970s, maybe 72 or 73. He just disappeared. The RCMP were notified and they called a local coroner, but after a thorough search, no trace of the man was found. His house looked as if he had just stepped out for a while, with dishes on the table and cookware on the stove. His root cellar was full of homemade preserves and his firewood supply was pretty well stocked. The shaft, however, was full of water and completely inaccessible. His wooden boat was located downriver, overturned, near the mouth of Williams Lake Creek, and it was widely believed that he had drowned. But did he? Two or three years later, rumors began to circulate that he had a sister who lived in the Pitt Meadows area, and that he was seen there working on her peat farm. This speculation just added to the other rumors that had been circulating about the man since he first arrived in the area. Was he really a Russian? Some say he was Swiss. What of his past? Was he escaping from something? Some people believe he was an architect by trade and that he entered Canada illegally. He certainly was good with his hands and seemed to be able to build or fix just about anything. What was his name? A few old-timers say they called him Joe, but whether that was his real name or not, we'll never know. You can still see the island and could have seen the remains of the buildings if you pulled into the small parking area on the second switchback on the road above Rudy's Bridge. Just walk a few yards to the precipice and then look down. On a nice sunny day, The island and the former homestead could have looked like they were the perfect setting for getting away from it all. Our area is full of interesting stories about the gold rush, but this one is from the modern era, and so it's just that much more compelling. This Russian gold seeker seems to have been a man who came along about a hundred years too late. He would have fit right into the Caribou Gold Rush, and the legend of the Mad Russian's Island would have been another great tale. Unfortunately, we'll probably never know any more about the wild history of the island since everything on it was lost during the wildfires in the caribou during 2017. The entire island and everything on it was burned. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, consider subscribing. Once again, a huge thank you out to the Williams Lake Tribune and to Barry Sale for placing their trust in me in producing this podcast. Our next episode of Haphazard History will be the story of real-life stagecoach robberies on the old wagon road. I'm Jason Ryle. Thanks for listening.